two extremely heavy suitcases, half a semester worth of tuition in the form of traveler's checks, I find myself exactly 14,705 miles away from home, thriving in the great American dream. Well, most stories that you hear about this kind of a journey starts off very bleak, poverty, struggle. Mine is not such a story. Mine is a story of a young man who left and came here, dropped a career that I was extremely successful at to come and search for what I've considered to be the next step. A very moving conversation is one that I had with the registrar when I first got here. Got to the school, had my two very heavy suitcases, went into Bob's office and introduced myself. He looked at me and he looked at my file and with his head tilted with curiosity, he looked at me and said, what are you doing here? Well, it is this question that I'm going to attempt to answer in this podcast. What am I doing here? This is my answer to Bob's question. And with my response, or with my answer to Bob's question of what are you doing here? If in that answer I can move somebody, if in that answer I can inspire somebody, even one person, then I think my objective would have been fulfilled. It all starts from looking at where you are, where I was. I looked at my career. I was 24 years old. I had achieved quite a bit for a 24-year-old. And looking at the career path that I had, the trajectory that I was looking at, it very much looked at um, as being, as having rather a, a, a ceiling, so to speak, a glass ceiling. I had already achieved in a very short space of time what most insurance agents achieve in a whole career, in a whole lifetime. See, the very next step for me was the elite, the financial advisors of the company. These were a group of 12 individuals, the cream of the crop, the best agents in the country formed a team of 12 people. These 12 people were called financial advisors. These 12 people were the highest earners in the company and some of the highest earners in the, in the country. So looking at myself, and looking at this next step being the top of the mountain, I asked myself, is that it? Is that enough? Once I get there, the next goal is to dominate, is to be the top, is to be the best out of those 12. And then what? So this question of and then what is what drove me. And I gotta be honest too, in my generation, having a college degree was considered to be arriving, so to speak. 
if you didn't have one, you are not yet quite there. So many people in my generation have gotten college degrees just to say that I have it. Not that it's of any use or they even had any passion towards what they got the degree for, but so that they can just hang it on the wall and say, I've got one. So it, when it comes up in conversation, they can answer, oh, yes, I've got a college degree, you know, even though it's totally worthless in the sense that they don't use it. So I would be wrong not to admit that that in itself had its own influence in what I was going to do next. Everybody had passed high school. Everybody was worth talking about had uh, a high school diploma equivalent. Everybody had all levels, everybody had A-levels, and then the next thing, natural thing, would be a college degree. So even though I would have been okay financially and probably been better than most of these college graduates, if not all of them, I would still be lacking that little something that society at the time was dictating. So that, along with my own desire, my desire when I got out of school and even when I was working with this insurance company, the two companies that I worked with, I always felt that there was more. I always felt that I could give more. I always felt that I need to excel beyond my expectations. So you see, that little carrot dangling of I can do more of days a little bit more, believe it or not, 20 years later, it's still dangling right in front of me. It's still something that I think I can do more. I believe I can do more. How much more, I don't know. So that urge still drives me to this day. So I say to myself, what I really enjoy doing from what the short stint that I had experienced with the insurance company, I enjoy marketing. I enjoy selling. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to find the best marketing people in the world and I'm going to learn from them. Learn as much as I can and then I'll come back home and I'll put it all into practice and with this successful marketing executive or have this successful company. It wasn't quite clear exactly what I wanted to do with this marketing degree once I got it, but it was very clear to me at the time that I wanted one. I wanted to be an expert in that field because it just excited me. So here we go. Back in the day that I'm talking about, computers had just started. I think there was a 363 or something or something of that nature. Computers had just started, and uh, there was no internet per se um, in those days. Computers were just doing the basic things. So out to the information center, I went. And there I found a book that is probably 10 to 15 inches stacked up. And that book had all the colleges in the United States, all of them, that were worth talking about. So one thing I learned very quickly as I was doing my research and asking questions at the information center is you want to find 
a school that is accredited. You want to find a school that is going to um, a state school, preferably, and one that's uh, it's got a, a good enough history to where it's not going to be losing accreditation anytime soon. Because my goal, obviously, was to get my degree and come back home. I didn't want to come back home with a piece of paper that nobody recognizes. So did my research, got my list of schools, and started applying. Well, the applications were replied. Most of the results were favorable, but all of them I could not afford. I did not have the money. And almost all of them wanted you to pay a substantial amount before they give you the paperwork. So all of these colleges wanted money, a lot of it. And the exchange rate at the time did not permit me to have such kind of money. Nevertheless, after much um, research, I found out a couple of things. One, they are state colleges. State colleges are really uh, more inexpensive than, uh, than private colleges. So even though I'd been accepted to quite a few um, Ivy League schools, I did not pursue that because most of them were just out of the price range that I could even think about. Exchange rate back then was $1 um, is to 10 of my dollars. So I didn't go that route. So this required a great amount of work and dedication. If you can imagine uh, a phone book that is 10 inches thick and to go through that whole book to where you end up with a definitive answer as to which colleges you should apply to and which colleges are best. Some dedication for a young 24-year-old to be involved in that kind of thing, three, four, five, six hours looking at the same book. So you got to have drive. You got, it's, there is always a mental picture that is required for one to paint in their mind that you can visualize and see it. As I was doing this, I could visualize and see myself graduating with this college degree and saying, okay, I got it. I'm going to go and put it to use. That's what drove me to do this. That's what kept me going. Anyway, fast forward, I get a couple, of, I shortlist a couple of schools, and here comes this one school that's telling me, hey, you know, pay so much and we'll send you the paperwork for you to, to come over. And I did. And when I sat down with them, I realized that uh, everything that they had been saying in the, in the prospectus, so to speak, was true. And the cherry on the cake was that if I could maintain, I believe it was at 3.5 or 3.6 or something like that, um, I could get in-state tuition. Hallelujah, I say to myself. That's all I got to do. I think it was at 3.6 or 3.5. If I maintain a 3.6 or a 3.5, I've got to, I get to pay, my, my tuition is almost uh, a quarter of what I'd been paying the first semester. So here the, here the story goes, we, I get on a plane, I fly over, I get here, and I meet Bob, as I said earlier on, and Bob was puzzled, Bob was really, really, he says, from what I can see, you are doing really well. Why would you drop all of that? And I said, 
I must get that degree. I need that college degree that you're going to give me here after I've been here, after I put in the work that is required. That degree is going to open up all kinds of doors for me. But you see, what I didn't tell him or what I didn't talk to him about is why. I just told him that's why I wanted. I wanted, I came here because I wanted the degree. The background of it all is what I didn't mention to Bob. The importance of that piece of paper in the society that I'd come from. The reverence that piece of paper had in the society that I'd come from. I gave him the version, my version, of why I wanted it. But to be honest, a mother without a picture of a son or daughter in the graduation gown almost always feels incomplete. At least in my generation, they did. That's one picture that when you get to 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 a, to a mother's house from my generation, it's still there today, even 20 years later, just so that you can look at it and say, yes, my son went to college. So the struggle, the biggest struggle, the humbling of college life, especially after having worked and being successful as I was, was something I can't quite describe in words. It was something that is beyond just being humbling. So paint a picture. Paint a picture of a young, successful executive. You've got your own office, one of the best offices in the building. You've got your own secretary who does all your typing and everything else. You know what I mean? You just dictate what you want uh, typed out and they type it out for you. This is sound, kind of, sounds a little uh, old school, but that's exactly how it happened. Okay, I want you to send a letter to Mr. Uh, so-and-so, and this is what I want you to say. They take that in shorthand and they go and type the letter. They bring it to you. You approve the letter. You sign it, and then they put it in the mail and send it off. This is just one of the... Uh, uh, small duties that your secretary did. But you've got one of those. You drive to work, leave your keys with the guy outside, what we call porters now. It was kind of like a valet parking, but, you know, not exactly the same, but it's the same thing. So they valet park your car, they come and drop off the keys with you or your secretary. So all of this is what you've been doing on a daily basis. Your branch manager, your ad is extremely proud in this beating his chest that he's got one of the uh, brightest young and upcoming agents who are going to go to this uh, um, financial advisory department earmarked for that and just going to rock the world and put him on the map as being the guy that found the germ in the dirt, so to speak. So that's what you had. But now you are here. You're here in a little town in the middle of Oklahoma, and the first job that you get is working at a taco place, equivalent of Taco Bell. You are just a server, so to speak. You make the tacos, you put them on the tray, and the front person calls out the order, and the people come and pick it up. Or if it's a to-go order, you bag it and put it in a bag. End of shift, you clean the lobby that people have been sitting on, sitting in every um, throughout the whole shift dropping papers, sticking gum in all the wrong places, you name it. You're cleaning that out. 
you're cleaning the bathrooms every so often during the shift and that's how you're making your living that's how you're supporting yourself so that's why i said when you when when you look back when i look back and i try and put that into words and i try and um think of what was going through my mind sometimes i don't have the words to tell i cannot describe that to anybody why i was able to do that because i know people that had, had tried it before i know people that didn't even have a career that i had but they just lived a particular way middle income not struggling life is pretty good at home they come here and they go through a month or two of that maybe a semester and they say you know what i'm out i'm not doing this i had quite a few people that i know that went through that but i guess my grit my tenacity my determination saw me through all of that i was able to humble myself and clean the bathrooms humble myself and clean the lobby and get my little $3.75 or was it 4.25 i don't remember an hour so that's that's the beginning that's what i went through the first semester that's to me was the foundation of all the good that i'm enjoying now you see if i hadn't gone through all that hardship that humbling to a point of almost humiliating experience i wouldn't be who i am today i wouldn't be as tenacious as determined and as driven as i am today see i believe nothing can knock me down i'm always going to get up and when i get up i'm going to get up stronger because before i get up as somebody once said is that i'm going to take a few moments before i get up and find out why i fell find out why life knocked me out because if i do this when i get up you better believe i'm not going to make the same mistake i'm going to get knocked out once because my left foot was in front of my right but next time when i get up i'm going to know not to put that foot in front of this one see that is the lesson that i've learned in this whole experience the lesson i've learned in this whole experience is that if you are determined to getting something you can get it if you tell your mind that this is possible it is possible you can do it the only person you need to convince is yourself and once you have convinced yourself there's nothing or nobody that can stand in your way it is totally achievable and you will look back in most cases and you'll be floored by the experiences that you went through to get what you need to get so i worked at this taco place 40 hours a week first semester took uh 14 hours of classes and never missed a homework still maintained to uh, uh managed to maintain the average that uh, was required for me to become an in-state tuition person and my first semester is the only semester that I paid out of state tuition or international student tuition because I made that a priority to make sure that my grades were right so what am i saying you are capable of whatever it is 
that you can convince your mind you're capable of. If you settle for mediocrity, it is not because society has put you there. It is not because your circumstances have put you there. It is because you have put yourself there. It is because you are comfortable with where you're at. Because trust me, if you're not comfortable, if you're not happy, you can get it. Whatever it is, you can have it. Whatever it is. A mind is a beautiful thing. If you tell it what to do and convince it that it can be done, it has no option but to follow you. So, follow your dreams. Dream big. When I was talking to about going to America at the time, I hadn't even saved a penny. But I talked about this if it was going to happen. I talked about it and said, this is what I'm going to do. Up until the time, the week that I said, okay, I got my ticket, I'm leaving. It was all a joke with most of the people that I'd been talking to about. Which brings me to the next point. Some dreams are better and best kept to yourself. As somebody once said. Because some people are not smart enough. They don't have a vision big enough to accept and appreciate something that big. So don't settle. Reach out for your dreams. If the going gets tough, don't forget the light at the end of a tunnel is a way out. Is the light that's leading you to prosperity. Is a light that is leading you to exactly what you are looking for. Have a clear vision of what you want. Close your eyes and you should be able to visualize everything that you are going out for. You should be able to visualize what it is that you want. If you can visualize what it is that you want, it's much easier to chase day in, day out. And you never wear. You never get tired because you can see it. You can feel it. You can smell it. There are no distractions. There are none. The only distraction that you might get is one that comes from you. But it won't come from you, will it? Because you are determined. Because you've got a clear vision. Because you've closed your eyes and painted that vision. And you know exactly what you need to do to get that. So why don't you? Why don't you get up and get what is yours? Stop telling yourself that it cannot be done. If I can travel 14,705 miles to get mine, you can get yours too. <laughs>